Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's great to be with you, and even virtually. Um, and God willing, we'll be back here in the church together next week. Um, and I'm hoping by filming up here in the church that you'll be able to imagine being with me here this morning. I really wish that you were. But we're really thankful for technology and the fact that we can still meet together online, even in this lockdown. But we're continuing on in our Advent series, Unexpected Christmas, this morning. Last week, Drew led us in looking at Luke's account of the foretelling of the birth of Jesus when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. And this week, we're going to look at a different foretelling of Jesus' birth, this time given to Joseph. So if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 1, and we'll read together. Reading from verse 18 through to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, every boy growing up wants to be Joseph in the Nativity at Christmas time. Throughout a lot of the Nativity story, we see Joseph in the spotlight, whether he is taking care of Mary, looking after her, whether he's hanging with the innkeeper, or in the most iconic shot of any Nativity scene, when we see Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in the middle with the shepherds and the wise men and the animals all gathered around. Joseph is very much in the spotlight. And in the nativity that we uh, do here at church every Christmas, I actually never got to be Joseph. Uh, I got to be Herod once, but I was never allowed to be Joseph. Uh, I'm sure Mum would thank me for saying that, but it's true. Um, and in the movie Nativity, um, we actually see two boys fighting over, the, over who gets the role of Joseph in the school nativity. I'm sure many of you have seen and enjoyed that movie. And yet while Joseph is very involved in the nativity story, um, and he's actually quite prominent in the accounts of Jesus' birth in the Gospels, we can actually read very little else about him in the Bible. Um, we have very limited information about the earthly father of the Son of God. However, when we take a closer look, we can actually see that Joseph has a profoundly important role, not only in terms of the Christmas story, but in terms of all of redemptive history. And that's a term that we're going to come back to a bit later on. But for now, let's come back to the text. If you look with me at verse 18 again. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. I'm actually going to pause there uh, for a minute. Here Matthew is outlining uh, the passage for us in the first few words. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. The four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are biographies of the life of Jesus. Nothing more, they are the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth. All four tell us about his life, what he said, 
what he did, where he went, what he ate, who he spent time with, and so on. Uh, and they document his life pretty comprehensively. And that's why, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is so important to read and reread and read again the, the Gospels, to study these biographies of Jesus so that we can learn his way and learn how to live like him. And while it may seem obvious, it is so crucial to grasp that the Gospels are all about Jesus. And we must keep this in mind even as we look at this passage. It's tempting to make it about Joseph or make it about the angel of the Lord. But this passage is about Jesus. And as a biography of Jesus, it it makes sense to, to document his birth, to start at the beginning. And that's what Matthew is doing for us here. He goes on to tell us that his mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, so they were engaged. And he goes on to tell us that before they came together, that is, before they slept together, she was going to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine the heartbreak for Joseph when he found when he found this out, the anger and the hurt that he must have felt. By all accounts, his fiancée had had an affair. And Matthew tells us that has just told us that they had not slept together, so Joseph would have known that this baby was not his own. And to find out that the woman he loved was carrying a child that was not his own must have been absolutely devastating. And at the same time, you can imagine Mary pleading with Joseph to believe her, to believe what the angel Gabriel had told her, that the Holy Spirit would come on her, had come on her and that uh, she would give birth to the promised king. Understandably, though, Joseph did not believe this. Of course, Mary herself doubted the news when she first heard. If you remember back to last week, Mary says, How will this be since I am a virgin? When the angel Gabriel tells her the news. It just seemed too far-fetched that the Holy One of God, the promised anointed one, who would save his people from their sins, was in the womb of the girl that Joseph was about to marry. Surely the King of Kings was not to be about to be born of his fiancée. Well, the theme of our Advent series is an unexpected Christmas, and as we will see, um, a while, sorry, uh, this was all prophesied long ago, um, as we'll come on to look at, it was certainly not expected at that time by Joseph or by anyone else for that matter. It was at that time unexpected. And as we saw last week, and we'll continue to see in the coming weeks, there was absolutely nothing normal about this first Christmas. An important thing to note is that according to the law, the law of Moses, that is, that the act of adultery was punishable by death. Deuteronomy 22:22 reads, If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. And then we can read again, a few decades later after Jesus' birth, John records of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery in his gospel and subsequently dragged before the temple courts to be stoned only to be stopped by Jesus, who said the amazing words, that any of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. So considering this, the seriousness of the situation that Mary and Joseph find themselves in here, it can't be overstated. It is a, it is a, it's a matter of life and death. However, look with me at Joseph's reaction in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Apart from the fact that he was pledged to be married to Mary, this is the first thing we're told about Joseph. The first thing we're told about his character, 
that he's faithful to the law, or as the ESV puts it, he was a just man. And as a man faithful to the law of Moses, he knew that he could not go ahead with the wedding. He knew that he had to divorce her based on the fact that he believed that she had slept with another man. However, we get an insight into the love that Joseph has for Mary here uh, in his response. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph showed great compassion here while maintaining his faithfulness to the law. And while we see other marriages in the Bible arranged for the benefit of families, not necessarily love, we see here that Joseph really did love Mary in a very godly way. And this makes her seeming unfaithfulness all the more heartbreaking. However, in keeping with our theme, Unexpected Christmas, little did Joseph know that as he went to sleep that night, that the next morning everything would change, nothing would be the same. Look at verse 20 with me. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So after Joseph had considered what to do, and what he was going to do to resolve this exceedingly difficult situation, an angel appears to him in a dream and makes a truly incredible announcement. And from this announcement, I'd like to draw out four things. Four things from what the angel told Joseph. Number one is history. The angel addresses Joseph as Joseph, son of David. Why is this important? We're going to look at that. Number two is origin. The angel tells us that this baby is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And why is this significant? Is it even significant? Number three, we're going to look at the name. The angel tells Joseph you would give him the name Jesus. Why? Why Jesus? And number four is purpose. What reason does the angel have? Uh, well, sorry, what, we, what reason does the angel give for Jesus' coming? So we're going to look at history, origin, name, and purpose. So we'll begin um, with number one, history. We see here that the angel says, Joseph, son of David. That is how the angel addresses Joseph. And at the, at the beginning, I mentioned uh, that Joseph has a prominent role from a redemptive historical point of view. And what I mean by redemptive history is God's great rescue plan for mankind from the Garden of Eden until the end of time. God's great rescue plan for mankind from the Garden of Eden until the end of time. Jonathan Edwards once said, the work of redemption is a work that God carries on from the fall of man to the end of the world. You see, when we go back to the garden, when we go back to the fall of man in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God told the serpent, the great deceiver, who is the devil himself, that an offspring of Eve would one day crush his head. And this is the first direct foreshadowing of Jesus Christ that we see and we can read in the Bible. The first thing we can read about God's great rescue plan for mankind, God's great rescue plan to conquer the power of sin and Satan so that we may have life. This was prophesied way, way back in the garden. This is the first we see of God's plan to restore creation to the way it was supposed to be, for the, to the way that God intended it to be. And this is why Jesus had to be born of a woman. This is why Jesus had to be born of Mary, to fulfill this ancient promise that the serpent crusher would be an offspring of Eve. God's redemption plan, here we can see, has been underway right from the start. 
But you may be wondering, why Joseph, son of David? What is significant about David? And why does it matter that Joseph is his descendant? Well, to understand this, we have to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And here we read of God making a covenant with David, or making a promise with David, who was at that time the king of Israel, the king of God's people. God says to David, I will raise your offspring, raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And he goes on to promise, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. What an amazing promise. This was the hope of Israel. This was the hope of God's people. That their kingdom would be established forever by a son of David, by some great king who would rule over God's people forever. However, David's sons, as we read in the Bible, time and time again fall. They were unfaithful and disobedient kings. A theologian comments, a succession of imperfect kings could never fulfill the promise. If God were true to his word, if he stuck by his job description in 2 Samuel 7, he would have to raise up a righteous, obedient son of David to take the throne. And here we see Joseph. Not as the true, righteous, obedient son, but as the earthly father of the true, righteous, and obedient son. After generations, so many failing kings, here the angel was, reminding Joseph of his heritage, reminding Joseph of his family tree, reminding him of the promise made to his father David, and giving the awesome news of the fulfilled promise. The perfect, obedient, righteous, servant-crusher king was about to arrive, not in the palace, but in a manger born of Mary. So that's history. The second thing I want to look at is origin. We see the, the next thing that the angel tells Joseph is to not be afraid. And why does he not have to be afraid? Well, the angel tells him, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth is fundamental to the Christian faith. Of course, it's part of the Apostles' Creed. Um, and it's one of, definitely one of the fundamental core beliefs of the Christian. And I just want to highlight two reasons why this virgin birth is important. And why it's so important to us today. Number one is to fulfill the prophecies. And number two is to show the divinity of Christ. So number one, to fulfill the prophecies. We've already looked at uh, some fulfilled prophecies and promises. But we're going to look at another one here in Isaiah 7. Um, as you briefly mentioned last week. With Matthew actually quotes for us here. Handily. Um, in verse 23, um, Matthew quotes from prophet Isaiah. He says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. The whole story of Jesus' birth was prophesied and fulfilled. But when we consider the virgin will conceive, uh, that we just read there in Isaiah's prophecy, we can see the intricate detail of God's redemption plan long before Jesus' birth. And this gives us today, as 21st century readers, great hope and assurance. Those of us who are Christians know that the Virgin conceived. We know um, that the Virgin gave birth to a son, and we know that son as Emmanuel, as God with us. Even today, through the gift of the Spirit in our hearts, we know God is with us. 
Isaiah penned his prophecy over 700 years before the coming of Jesus. And here he is, you're here the angel is telling Joseph that Mary's baby had been conceived by the Holy Spirit, that she had not had an affair and she was indeed a virgin. The prophecy is being fulfilled. And coming back to Joseph, we're told at the beginning that he's a man who's faithful to the law, who I'm sure would have been familiar with Isaiah's prophecy. And here we see him being told that after centuries, Emmanuel was here, or very almost here at least. So that's number one, why the virgin birth was, uh, is so important to fulfill the prophecies of old. And number two, uh, why the virgin birth is important is to show the divinity of Christ. We are told of no other child in the Bible, um, or indeed in all of human history, that has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Let's not miss this this morning, even though we hear it every Christmas time, let's not grow, grow numb to the fact, the fact that the Eternal One, who was there at the creation of the world, as Drew read in John's Gospel last week, is now in the womb of Mary. In just a moment we'll, we'll come to consider why it is that Jesus had to be, had to come to the earth he created as a meek child born in Bethlehem. But for now let us be marvel at the extent that God went in order to bring us to himself. He looked down upon our helpless and our hopeless state. He took the initiative and he came down. The creator among his creatures, the prince of peace, humbled himself and was brought low. As the contemporary hymn says, he came from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. And he did it for us. Now Joseph need not fear bringing Mary home as his wife. She had not been unfaithful. She was not condemned under the law. She was indeed a virgin, and their marriage was not ruined. What brilliant news for Joseph. However, this news would pale in comparison to the news that he was about to hear. So that's number two, origin. Number three, uh, we're going to look at the name given by the angel. She will give birth to his son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. I don't know about you, but I find the etymology of names really quite interesting. Uh, I'm sure a good number of you have Googled what your name means. Um, maybe your parents had a special reason for calling you the way that they did. Uh, maybe you have a close family friend uh, that you're named after, or maybe your mum and dad just liked that name. Um, my name apparently means God is gracious uh, and is derivative of the name John. And apparently, um, in uh, the Middle Ages, um, the, the name Jack was so common that uh, it, was, it was used as a generic term for a man. Um, so there's your, your bit of useless trivia for today. Um, and if there's any Jacks watching, uh, the next time there's a lull in your Zoom call, feel free to use that one to kickstart the conversation. Um, but that's enough about my name. Here we read the angel telling Joseph you are to give him the name Jesus. This baby conceived of the Holy Spirit is to be called Jesus. And maybe you're wondering why Jesus? Um, what, what, why, why give him that name? Well, Jesus is uh, the Greek form of the Hebrew name Yeshua, or in English Joshua. And our series in, uh, or sorry, and Yeshua translated means Yahweh is salvation or God is salvation. We're not long finished our series in Exodus, uh, looking at God's traveling mercies. 
And in it we were introduced to Joshua uh, as a great warrior. Remember, if you can remember back, he was the one who was leading the Israelite army against Amalek, while Joshua, or sorry, while Moses uh, stood on the hill with his staff raised. Um, and we are introduced to him as a great warrior. And then if you read through uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua, we find out a bit more about him. We find out that he was Moses' apprentice, um, and then eventual successor as the leader of Israel. Joseph was the one who actually led the God's people, led Israel into the promised land of Canaan. And then with the Lord's mighty help, uh, Joseph brought, or sorry, Joshua brought down the walls of Jericho and triumphed over many enemies. He was indeed a great leader and a great warrior for God, and he's a key figure, uh, a prominent figure in Israel's history. However, here the angel is telling Joseph of a new Joshua, a better Joshua, a mighty warrior whose enemies will one day be made his footstool, who will lead his followers to a new promised land, not one of this earth, but one in heaven. He will lead his people into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Yahweh is salvation, God is salvation. Every time we hear the wonderful name of Jesus, and every time you hear it this Christmas, we can remember the truth that God is salvation. We know that the Lord saves. And as we come to look at uh, my fourth point here, we can find out exactly what it is that God saves us from. So that's the name. Why this baby conceived of the Holy Spirit had to be called Jesus. But the fourth thing we're going to look at is purpose. What is the purpose of the coming of Jesus? Well, the angel tells us. She will give him, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The angel uh, tells Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. We just looked at the etymology of the name Jesus. God is salvation. And here the angel tells Joseph why the child is to be called Jesus, why the child is to be called God is salvation. Because he will save his people from their sins. This is the most important line in this passage. We hear people talking about the true meaning of Christmas. Every year, I'm sure you hear that phrase. And in the movies, it's portrayed as being reunited with loved ones or spending quality time with family. Um, and while those are good things and blessings from the Lord, they aren't what Christmas is about. This is that Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. Jesus did not step down from glory and come into this broken world just so that we could have a Christmas holiday. Jesus didn't come just so that we could give gifts and receive gifts from loved ones. Jesus didn't come just so that children could reenact the nativity story to their adoring parents and grandparents. Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. What do we, why do we need to be saved from our sins, you may be wondering? Well, the Bible teaches us that sin cuts us off from our Heavenly Father. It separates us from him because God is completely holy. He is perfectly holy. 
he cannot tolerate nor be around sin because of his holiness. We sometimes sing here in Middle Matter how great the chasm that lay between us. That chasm is a result of sin and there is nothing that we can do to cross it. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. Read that in Romans 6. And in James 1 it says that sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin is a terminal sickness with no earthly remedy. But there is good news. As the angel told the shepherds, good news that will bring great joy for all the people. And it's the same news that Joseph is being told here, that Jesus will save his people from their sins. You may have heard of the word gospel. You may have heard that word a hundred times before, or you may have never heard it before. But this is it. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Jesus, God in human flesh, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect sinless life, was arrested and crucified by Roman authorities and was raised to life again. And in doing so, he cancelled our debt. He bridged the chasm caused by sin and he brought those who believe in his name to the Father. This is good news. This is the best news and this is the true meaning of Christmas. And as many of us look forward to, or maybe some of us are dreading this Christmas time, one that is unlike any that we've ever seen before, one that is completely different, full of changes, let's remember the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning that has never or will never change, that no global pandemic or anything else can ever alter or disrupt. The fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left the riches and glory and splendor of heaven came to this broken world to save sinners like you and me, to save the people from their sins. We give gifts at Christmas time to remind us of the greatest gift ever given, the gift that has been given to us, the gift that is available to all of us, the gift of forgiveness of sins, the gift of life eternal, the gift of Jesus Christ. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be in his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty. Will accomplish this.